Thank you for joining us today for the Gospel Light Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Lenentine. We are a Bible-believing, Christ-honoring, gospel-centered church family located in Rio Rancho, New Mexico. We are motivated to love God, grow together, and serve others. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit us at gospellightbaptist.org. Now we hope you enjoy today's message from the Word of God. We're going to go to Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to get ahead of your pastor on his sermon series. He can fix it in a few weeks is what, what that means. But we're going to go to Colossians chapter number 3 and look at this passage of Scripture. I know the marriage conference is over. That, that's, that was finished yesterday. However, the Lord's led me right down this vein again here tonight and uh, we're gonna we're gonna hammer this point home here this evening as well and and as you turn to Colossians chapter number three uh, I want to I want to bring out uh, a simple principle out of this passage of scripture and I will I'm gonna wait until the very end of the message to bring that principle out I want you to try and figure it out along the way kind of a mystery message tonight and uh, however you know we're all motivated by different things every one of us have different motivations in life uh, as a kid growing up, when I got in trouble, I was motiva- motivated greatly by fear. Uh, my dad, sometimes, all he had to do was look at me, and I was like, yes, sir. And all it took sometimes was a look. There were plenty of other times where it took a little bit more than a look, and I'm not proud of that, that fact. There were times my dad would take me in the back bedroom or in the, in the bathroom, and he would, he would call it, I'm going to blister your bottom, boy. He was alliterated as a preacher before. He's never been a preacher, but he was alliterated. I'm going to blister your bottom, boy. And boy, I'm telling you, boy, boy, I got blistered every now and then. Pretty much once a day. And uh, by the way, you say, why are you up there preaching to us? I didn't invite myself. That's on, that's on your pastor there. He is the one who invited me. But I, 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 I remember getting in trouble from time to time. I was motivated sometimes by fear. There were times I was motivated by reward, too. Hey, Kirk, if you do this then you will receive this. By the way, nothing wrong with either one of those motivations. They're both in the Bible. God's the one who said the, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So there is a place for fear. By the way, there is a place for reward too. Study your Bible. One day we'll stand at the Bema Seat Judgment of Christ, and God's going to hand out rewards in heaven. Well, I can't wait to that day to stand there and, and, and see what rewards I've earned. I'm not talking about earning my way to heaven. You can't do that. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But I believe there's a greater motivation in life than fear or reward. I believe there's a motivation of love. Oh, can I tell you, there's nothing that compares to the motivation of love. i got two daughters. I, I've already told you this. My oldest daughter is 24, and she teaches down in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. She lives on her own. And uh, still seeking that husband. I keep, I'm, I'm going to mention that every service until we find her a husband. My youngest daughter's in her junior year of, of college, and she's, she's uh, studying to be a nurse. And, and we feel blessed by all that. I, really, we do. But I remember as a daddy coming home from the church, uh, working there in, in Murfreesboro, I'd come home from the church, and I remember walking in the back door of the house. And as soon as I'd walk in the back door of the house, my daughters would come running. Daddy's home, daddy's home. They'd come running to the back door, and it was one would grab one leg and one would grab the other leg, and they'd wrap around and they'd wrap their legs around too. And it was kind of like walking with those weights on your on your on your body, you know. And, and uh, I would walk with my daughters on my legs and daddy, daddy, oh, it's so good to have you home. And then they would say this, hey daddy, 
let's go play. God didn't give me a, a son. You know, with a son, you say, okay, let's go wrestle, or let's go throw the ball, or let's go fight, let's get the guns. Mm. With daughters, they would say, daddy, daddy, let's go upstairs and play. By the way, please don't tell anyone I'm telling you this story. This is between us. But I remember we'd go upstairs to what we called the playroom, and they had one of those plastic fold-open playhouses. It was pink and blue, and it had you fold it open, and it was kind of like a U-shape, and, and, and sometimes you open it up a little wider. On one side, you could crank it, and there was an elevator that would go up on the one side, and there was different rooms or compartments in there that, for a playhouse. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And I remember my daughter say, Daddy, come on, let's go play. And they say, Daddy, let's play Polly Pockets. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about when I say Polly Pockets? Boys, put your hands down. How many, I, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we, we know what, po I know what Polly Pockets are. You want to know why I know what Polly, 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 Polly Pockets are? Because my daughters would say, Daddy, let's go play. And I would get down all the way on my stomach, on the floor upstairs. And I would say, oh, it's tea time. <laughs> let's go get a drink at the table. It's tea time. Could you cut the recording, by the way? Could, and then they'd say, oh, Daddy, it's nap time. And we'd go over and we'd lay down on the bed, on, the, on that, little, that little Polly Pocket, lay down on the bed. And, and then they would say, okay, Daddy, it's nap time, so you've got to snore. <laughs> uh oh, Dad, wake up. It's, it's time to go ride in the car. And we'd get on the elevator and we'd come down and we'd get in the car and we'd take... The only boy thing about it was boom and running into something. And the, the Polly Pockets go fly. But I remember as a kid, you say, why in the world would you do something like that? I'll tell you why. Love. Love makes you do some crazy things. Hey, I'm here tonight to say, I love Jesus. And it's okay to be crazy for Jesus. It's okay to be a fanatic for Jesus. Well, it's, it's okay. I, I was watching, I was over at the Lenentine's house last night. Brother Jeremy was watching, watching the Penn State-Auburn game for just a few minutes, and it was, it was a wide-out game. By the way, I, I real, I'm an SEC fan, so I had a hard time cheering. Where's Brother Josh at? I just go, yeah, you, you can rub it in on me because you got the upper hand on it. After you left, I said, I'm hoping Auburn wins this game. I didn't say it while he was there. He could beat me up. You know what I noticed when they were showing the fans there? There were, there were literally people there with their shirts off, painted completely uh, uh, ghost white with letters written across their chest for the Nittany Lions. Or whatever, I don't even know who they are, whatever they're called. And we look at them and we say, oh man, look at that. Those people are fans. That's a great thing. And it's applauded in the world. But for some reason, we as Christians, we get kind of tight mouthed about a Savior who died on the cross for us to provide for us eternal life. And yet we'll, woohoo, go Nittany Lions. Who cares about the, amen. Who cares about the Nittany Lions anyway? Amen, amen. Give it to him. Who hey, we serve a risen Savior. I'm willing to be a fanatic for Jesus. That motivation of love. By the way, Brother Josh, I'm just kidding. I, we, we look at this passage of scripture, and I see something real out of this passage of scripture that I want to bring to light about this matter of love in our lives. We're going to start in verse number one. As a matter of fact, we're going to read the whole chapter. And, and as you learned, I'm a slow reader, so buckle your seatbelt. 
maybe, maybe we can get through this. Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse number 1, the Bible says this. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. The word if, can I just help, help us here for just a second? The word if is not a conditional question. It's not if you're saved, then let this be true. The Apostle Paul, in context, is writing to Christians already. So he's not questioning whether or not they're Christians. What he's saying is, because you are saved, because Jesus Christ is in your life, if that's true in your life, because it's true in our life, seek those things which are above. Verse number two, set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God, where Christ, who is our life, shall appear. Then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, the word mortify means kill or put to death, render dead. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Here's those members, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience. Listen to verse 7. In the which ye also walked some time when you lived in them. Paul looks at these Christians and says, hey, don't you dare look down your nose at someone else. We're no better than anyone else outside of the blood of Jesus Christ applied to our life. He says in verse eight, but now ye also put off these. Anger, he talks about those outward things in verse five, now he goes to verse eight and he starts talking about some of those things that we as Christians were really good at hiding in our own life. He says, but now, Ye also put off these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communications out of your mouth, lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. In those first few verses, we see that he's talking about how a Christian ought to live, the holy living of a Christian life, and he goes on and he explains it more. Verse 2, verses 5 through 12, he goes on, he says in verse 10, now here's the positive side, and have put on the new man. By the way, old things are passed away. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Behold, all things are become new. He, he says, put on that new man, verse 10, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian or Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Hey, can I tell you this? It's not about the color of our skin. It's about Jesus Christ. It's not about your financial status, it's about Jesus Christ. It's not about who your mama is or who your daddy is. It's about Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. Verse 12, so he says, put on therefore, uh, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. It's not the message, but the Lord said repeat it. If any man have a quarrel against any, (laughs) this this verse right here is a, a sermon all by itself. If any have, if any man have a quarrel against any, Even as Christ forgave you, 
so also do ye. By the way, this is all just introduction. What a powerful verse. Hey, who is it that you have a quarrel with? I know I'm on thin ice right now. I know I am. I'm up in your grills, what I'd say to the teenagers. This is tough sledding right here. There's really no fighting around this and excusing around our unforgiveness for anyone else for whatever they did. According to God. You say, but you don't know my circumstances. God does. He's the one who wrote it. He says if you have a quarrel against any, that boss who rides your case, that spouse, already covered all that stuff, I'm sorry. That parent teenager that, that, that gets on your case or makes you make your bed, go figure, they make you make your bed. Ugh. Hey, I, I, I'm kind of being a little bit silly. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to say this. God says we're a new creature and these things are new. The effects of holy living. Uh, verses, verses 1 through 12 talks about the, the basis for the passage is Christian holy living. Getting the sin out and getting the right things in. The, verses 13 through 17 are the effects of holy living. Here's how it changes my life. He says in verse number 14, Above all these things put on charity which is the bond of perfectness. Put on biblical love one for another. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which you are called in one body and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. By the way, what do I love about gospel light? I'll tell you, what I've read in these last few verses seems to be so real in this church. That love you have one for another. That forgiveness you have one for another. That, that forbearing you have one for another. The singing and the, the glorifying of God that you've displayed already today. And then verse 17. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. I look at this passage of scripture. That, that is all introduction. I look at this passage of scripture and I see in this passage of scripture some high levels of expectations in the Christian's life. As a matter of fact, if we really want to be honest, this high level of expectation in the Christian life, to be totally honest, really would be impossible for us, humanly speaking, to attain to. There's no way in our life we can avoid anger and wrath and malice and unforgiveness. Those are things that every one of us, Satan smacks us in the face with every day. I'm, I'm just being real. If you don't believe me, go out and drive on the highway a little bit. Let someone cut you off. It's, it's not just in New Mexico, it's in Tennessee too, I'm just telling you. It's everywhere you go. You, 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 that person who drives down the road and, and the merge sign comes in. You know what I'm talking about? That, that construction ahead and the sign says like five miles ahead, merge right. Lane closed ahead. And they keep going in the left lane all the way. To, and then this two miles away, merge right. Mer and there's signs everywhere, blinking lights everywhere. Merge right, merge right. And they stay in the left lane. And then it gets down to where the cones are in the middle of the road. And then they get all the way up there in front of everyone, turn on the turn signal, and they expect you to stop and let them in. I'm, I'm of the opinion they need to wait just like the rest of us. I, I'm, I'm preaching good now, aren't I? They need to wait like the rest of us, unless it's you or me that has snuck down that, that side. I'm guilty. I told on myself, I'll sneak as far as I can. As a matter of fact, it was just yesterday. Pastor Linentine and Mrs. Linentine were in the car with my wife and I. 
I'm 50 years old. I, I, I should obey the law of the land. We were in a lane that narrowed down and said, this lane must turn right. You know what I did? I said, I'm from out of town. I'll just, keep, I'll, I'll, I'll just nudge my way in. Pastor Lentine said, that's good. You do it. <laughs> Actually, he said, right there's an opening. Take that one. And you, you get honked at, you get yelled at, someone cuts you off, and it's like, ugh. I, I, again, I'm probably being too transparent tonight. Someone cuts me off, or someone cuts me off. You know what my natural response is? <laughs> no way, Jose. And I really don't know Spanish. <laughs> Amen. And I'd hit the gas pedal, I'd turn the turn signal on, and I'd go over beside it. And my wife says this to me all the time, don't do it. Don't do it. Literally, this traveling evangelism is killing me. It really is as far as driving. She, she hates my driving. She, by the way, I have to confess. Yesterday I said, in the Fighting Fairly session, I said, you know, the, the soft blows, we talk about the soft hits, not attacking, but, but when you're in a discussion, say those things nicely. And I said something about my wife's hair being straight or curly. Those of you who are here, you, you know what she did? Today she wore her hair straight. She hates, but then you know what, she, you know what I didn't notice? I know. Man, I'm so embarrassed. She had to say to me after lunch today, she said, I wore my hair straight today and you didn't even notice. And I was like, uh. Then I had to decide, am I going to lie? Oh, I noticed. <laughs> or am I going to say, honey, I'm so sorry. Driving down the road, that car cuts me off. My wife will say, don't, don't do it, don't do it. And I'll drive up, I'll get beside him, and I just give that glare. As if that's going to do something. I just stare at him. I, I don't do anything else. I, and she says, don't do it, don't do it. And if I keep my head forward, she says, oh, I'm so proud of you. I'm so, why? Because this old nature is so real with all of us. We all fight that old nature in our life. When you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, your old nature didn't, it was not eradicated. Your old nature's still there. And that old nature has that fight with that new nature every day of your life. There's a constant struggle. Will I do right or will I do wrong? Hey, can I tell you? That's your choice. God's given you a free will. But he also gave you the Holy Spirit of God that indwells you. To give you the strength and the ability and the willpower to say no to sin. Proverbs, my son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. God, I surrender my will. Now, that's introduction. Let's bring it home to where we're at. I stopped reading. Verse number 17 is where I stopped reading. Verse number 18. I'm going to read the next few verses. I wrote this down as... Holy living in the home. All of us have a home. You live there. What's your home like? The Bible says this in verse 18. Wives, submit, your, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it's fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger lest they be discouraged. Servants, we could, we could say employees there. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, 
not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For ye serve the Lord Jesus, for ye serve the Lord Christ, but he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. I look at these last few verses here from verse 18 down to verse number 25 and I see some principles that we can apply to our own lives right now where we live. Number one, I put this down, wives. Letter A, verse number 18. The Bible says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as is, as is fit in the Lord. By the way, we talk about this in the marriage conference. This term submission is, is, is kind of thrown out a hard way towards the women. Women, you submit, you just do exactly, you know, hey, husbands, you don't lord over your wives. The, the Ephesians passage, again, just rehearsing a little bit from yesterday or Friday night, that, 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 that submission passage in Ephesians chapter 5, the, the verse 21, I believe it is, Paul said to the church in Ephesus, submitting yourselves one to another. Before it said, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. You, you know what, what I learned in this passage of scripture is this. This is a two-way street. I'm supposed to submit. My wife's supposed to submit. I am the head of the home. My wife is the heart of the home. There's a, there's a dual submission back and forth between both. In other words, I'm not going to walk around with a baseball bat in my home and say, Honey, you will do what I say. That, that, that's not honoring God. Submission is saying, Hey, I, I love you, and because I love you, I want to honor your wishes. That's two ways. He says to the wives, number one, submit to your husbands. He says, number two, to the husbands and fathers. He says in verse number 19, he says, husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. The word bitter there, love your wife, by the way, first of all. If you have a hard time loving your wife, there's something wrong with that. Again, I can rehearse those days when dating was taking place. Courting, call it whatever you want to call it. I remember when I saw my wife, she, I was liking her, her best friends, or one of her best friends. So I, I, I'm not talking about that part when I saw her. I'm talking about after I got right with God. That's what she says. She'll actually say after I got saved is what she says, but I was saved when I was, when I was 10. I just got right with God. And when I got right with God, I saw her, and, and boy, it, it's not been a hassle to love her. It's not even a hassle to like her. Two different things, by the way. God commands us, men, God commands you to love your wife. God doesn't command the wife to love the husband, although he does say love or love everyone. But why doesn't he command the wife to love the husband? Because that comes natural for a wife. That natural love, that, that, that fulfilling role that that wife has to take care of, the, that's a natural. But husbands, you're commanded to love your wife. Love her. Give her your all. Give it everything you've got. And then he goes down in verse number 21, I think it is. And he says, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Before I even get to that verse. He says, and be not bitter against them. I've often wondered, Pastor Lentine, what does it mean, be bitter against your wife? What does that mean to be bitter? You know, you, you think about eating something bitter and you get that look on your face. My wife knows when I put something in my mouth and I don't like it because I get this crinkle in my forehead. She would say, oh, you don't like that one, do you? It's not talking about bitter like that. The word bitter literally in this passage of Scripture refers to being harsh, 
or brash or attacking. Hey, husbands, when you speak to your wives, when you speak to your children, is it one of those elevated voices of, ah, you better, boy, you better listen. Is that how you speak? You see, in Colossians chapter 3, the apostle Paul says to the church in Colossae, husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Don't be harsh or mean. How many, I, I better not ask that. I, I kind of grew up at times where it was a, a, a yelling home. I was going to ask how many of y'all did, but then the children might raise their hand and we don't want to do that. So we, we, won't, we won't ask that question. It would air the dirty laundry, but not in service publicly. That's how it works. I grew up in a home sometimes where the yelling, it was a yelling match. One would say something, the other would say something. The other one would say it just a little bit louder than the first one. So the, second, the first one would have to reply just a little bit louder. And then they reply back just a little bit louder. Before you notice, you, can't, you don't understand a word that's going on. But there, there was a couple times, I, I probably shouldn't tell you this. I, I'm just telling you, this is real. There are times where it turned into not physical like fighting, but where there were things thrown. One day my parents were on the way to church. This happened very, my parents were Christer Christians. Christer Christian, you know what I'm talking about? Christmas and Easter only. By the way, I love my parents. They might listen, they might watch this, they might say, Kurt, why do you make us look so bad? I, I, I love my parents. I love my parents. We didn't go to church much. Literally growing up, I was a bus kid. I got saved because of a bus route. Thank God for it. Reach the children. You started the orphanage, praise God for the orphanage. Praise God for reaching the children. I, I was one of those kids. I remember one of those times where we went to church. We, we got in, this, in our van. We lived in a little city called Effingham, Illinois. We'd already lost the roller skating rink. It was right before we moved to Tennessee. I was 14 years old. And we got in the, the van. Four Copeland boys. We, we, actually, we're in the house getting ready early on a Sunday morning. My dad didn't really go much during those days to church at all. And, and I remember hearing my dad up in the morning. We're thinking, what's going on? Dad's not normally up getting ready for church, but then he was ready. He was, he was out the door, and he was in the van, and he was honking the horn. Let's go! We're going to be late! And I remember we, 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 four of us boys, you know, we, we're all getting out. My three older brothers, and they're, they're dragging me. Our hair, we still have the bed head going on, you know what I'm talking about? The hair's all mashed up on one side. The belt loops, you know, we missed three belt loops if we had a belt on. The shirt's still untucked. Breakfast is all down our shirt, you know. We, we were a mess. We all go running out there. We jump in the back of the van, one of those conversion vans, and, the, and we were in the back. And, and my mom still wasn't out in the van, and dad's in the front. And, ah, 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 woman, come on, let's go. Neighbors, we, we never went to church like that on Sunday mornings. Neighbors are poking their head out the door, looking down, and saying, what's going on over the Copeland's house? What's going on? Uh, 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 woman, let's go. Finally, my mom's carrying all the Bibles, and, and she's got a little uh, a thing of coffee, and she's carrying everything out there. And she, she gets in the van, and my dad is so mad. He's like, can't believe you're going to make us late. Can't believe this is going to happen again. I, I, I'm, this is why I don't go to church. This is why it's always this way. And, and all the way to church, mom and dad are back to back. We four boys were in the back, and we're keeping score. Dad would say something, and we're like, oh, that was a good one right there, Dad. And then Mom, my mom was real quiet and very meek and just, oh, okay, okay, okay. And then finally, Dad said something that just pushed that button. You know what I'm talking about. 
He, he pushed that button, and my mom, she replied. And it was a good one. And we were in the back, we're like, whoa, mom, yeah, that's worth three. And we're, we're back there keeping score, and it made my dad, the, the ride to church was only five minutes. It wasn't far, but the fight was on. And I remember my dad reached over. This was our, our first vehicle we had ever had that had power windows. Young people, there was a day when you had to actually crank a handle to make the window go down. Is, anyway, they had power windows. And my dad reached over and he pushed the button to lower the window on my mom's side. We thought, well, that's weird. My dad was a coffee-aholic. I know some of y'all are like that too. You, you know, you have to have a cup of coffee in your hand all the time. And... Uh, my dad was that way, only he, to compensate for not going back and refilling the coffee mug all the time, he got one of those really big coffee mugs. Like one of those big gulp things that you get at the gas station that you take, I mean, it's insulated, huge, I mean, the thing's huge. And he, he didn't have a lid on it. He has it sitting right there in that center console, and he put the window down on my mom's side, and he reached over and he grabbed that hot cup of coffee, like a whole pot of coffee in that one mug. And he took that coffee and he threw it towards my mom. The, whole, the mug and everything. And it went right past my mom's face, right out the way. I don't know if he intended. I've never asked him. I don't think I ever will ask him. I don't know what his plan was. But as soon as he threw that coffee mug, we all in the back, we're like, it's almost like we were not watching. We didn't see anything. We don't, you know, we as kids, we were like, it, it scared us. My daddy pulled into the gravel parking lot of the Effingham Baptist Temple, Pastor Jim Preston. He pulled in there and he parked in one of those gravel parking spots and no one else had said a word after he did that. He looked over at my mom and he said, I'll this will never happen again. We'll never be here again. He opened his door, took one step out on the gravel parking lot and another man in the church across the way hollered out and said, hey, Brother Copeland, sure is good to see you today. What a beautiful day. And my dad looked back at him and said, hey, Brother so-and-so, man, what a wonderful day. It's so good to be in church. And we're like, what's that? What happened? Hey, listen, we're all guilty. We're all, we're all guilty. We're all guilty of coming to a great place like this and, and not putting on a show. Please, please, I, I'm not talking down. I'm talking to myself. We're all guilty of putting on our best foot for everyone else to see except the people we love the most. My daughters would come home from school there at Franklin Road Christian School and, 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 and they would, they'd sit around the table and sometimes they'd say, Dad, Mom, guess what brother so-and-so did today? Guess what, sister, so, or we would say something, something that happened at school, and we'd say something to them about, by the way, just so you know, parents, everything your kids say is not always honest. I'm just, I, I'm just trying to help you. If your child comes home from school and says, guess what brother so-and-so did today in school? Don't believe them. Not until you talk to that teacher first. Find out what really happened. Let me say that one more time. Find out what really happened. You say, not my perfect little junior. <laughs> Your perfect little junior isn't so perfect. <laughs> Just like us. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Hey, my daughter, sometimes they'd come home and, and they'd say something and we would correct them. And then they'd get mad at us. And, and my wife would say this to my daughters often. She'd say, would you talk that way to the principal of the school? 
Well, no. Then why would you talk to your parents? Hey, teenagers, listen to me. Young people, listen to me. Why would you talk worse to your parents than you would to your authorities at school? Your authorities at school aren't going to be there five years from now, ten years from now. Your mama, your daddy will be there the rest of, your, rest of their life. He says in this passage of Scripture, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. But he says this, he says, children, verse number Verse number, 20, verse number 20, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Hey, young person, listen to me. It doesn't matter whether you're 5 or whether you're 19. It doesn't matter whether you're 21, still living at home. God's command is God's command. When does that command of obedience to mom and dad shift? When you say, I do, to someone else. Officially say, I do. Not just, <laughs> I do. I'm talking about officially. I'm talking about when you, your allegiance leaves mom and dad and goes to that husband, that wife. That's when that obedience factor kind of morphs. Your obedience goes to someone else. Honoring and respecting always stays there. You say, Brother Kurt, how in the world do you live this way? Can I, can I just tell you, what we just described in these last few verses is not humanly possible. It's not. Wives, it's not humanly possible for you to submit to your husband. I mean, look at him. No, don't look at him. Please don't. It's not humanly possible. Why? Because he's going to expect you to do some things that, that, that really aren't possible. It's going to happen. Hey, hey husbands. It's not going to be possible for you to every day, all the time, in every way, love your wife like you should. There's going to be times where the ketchup gets stuck on the ketchup lid. And you get frustrated. There's going to be times where, where the house isn't clean like you want it to be clean. Hey, wives, there's going to be times where the, the dirty clothes aren't put where they're supposed to be. Hey, children, it's not going to be possible every time in every way to always obey. Not humanly. It's not possible. It's not humanly possible. And by the way, it's a good thing it's not humanly possible because all this is supernatural. Here's where we're going to the text. And this is when we're done. Some of y'all thinking you should have been done a long time ago. There's the key to this entire chapter found in one verse. All of it. Putting off the old man, putting on the new. Living holy lives to God. Wives submitting their husbands, husbands loving their wives, children obeying their parents. By the way, servants, employees obeying their bosses. Not just with eye service as men pleasers. Here's what, I'm going to read a few verses. See if you can pick out the key to this entire chapter. The Bible says in verse number 22, servants, uh, verse 23, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. It's in one of those two verses, the key to the entire chapter. Let, let me narrow it down to one verse. Verse 23, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord, and not unto men. Let me narrow it down to just two phrases. As unto the Lord, not unto men. Do you know what the key to this entire chapter is? The key to this entire chapter is this. As to the Lord. Wives, how can, how can you submit to your own husbands? 
How is it that we can live our life in the same home with this guy who sometimes, sometimes you have a hard time? You know what I mean. How do you keep submitting to him? I'll tell you how. As to the Lord. You're not submitting to him. Wives, listen, you're not submitting to him. You're not submitting to that husband. You're submitting to God. Hey, husbands, how do you love your wife and not be bitter or harsh or mean or aggressive to that wife? How do you do that in your life? I'll tell you, the only way it's possible is that you're not doing it to her. You're doing it as to the Lord. I'm living my life to God. Not How can I love my wife like I ought to love my wife? 27 plus years of marriage and I'm having the time of my life with it. How do I love her like I should? How can I keep doing that? Because I'm not loving her. I'm loving him. And as I love him, I demonstrate the love I should to her. Hey children, how do you obey your parents? How is it you can obey mom and dad when mom and dad, hey by the way, are mom and dad always right? No one's willing to answer. Some of y'all are like, if you answer that question, I'm going to beat you when we get home. <laughs> Brother Jeremy, was your dad, Brother Mark, was your dad always right growing up? Oh, you're in trouble. He is in so much trouble. He just said no. If my daughters were sitting here, they would be saying amen really loud, really loudly. I want to use proper grammar. They, they'd be very upset. They, they'd say, Dad, you weren't always right. You, you do. By the way, can I tell you, there's been many times I've gone to my children and humbled myself as the head of the home and said, I'm so sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. How do we live this life? Hey, hey, employees, how do you live your life for your boss? <laughs> we know we're all replaceable, right? It's really all about money anyway, right? You don't do it because of them. You do it because of him. As to the Lord. Listen to this. The more my wife loves the Lord, the more I'm the benefit of her love to the Lord. It's not about her loving me and honoring me and submitting to me. It's about her doing that to God. And as she honors and loves and submits to God, it comes natural for her to do that. I get the benefit of my wife living Colossians 3. She gets the benefit of me living Colossians 3. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. My job as a Christian is to live my life to please him. Hey, child, how do you obey mom and dad? You obey God. Mom and dad aren't always right. God always is. And if you'll submit and you'll obey God, then you have the honor and the privilege of it, it spills out to the parents too. I've learned this, Brother Lenentine, after all these years of ministry, and you've been in much longer than I have. I'm not saying you're old. You can beat me up. <laughs> but we, we watched couples 
families struggle in their home. And sometimes we'll go and, and we'll seek this counsel, we'll seek this advice, and we'll read this book, and we'll do this, and, and we'll get all the external, I've got to have more knowledge, I've got to have more wisdom, I've got to have more of this. Hey, can I tell you, it's not about that. It's all about this. It's all about Jesus. It's about me submitting my will to Jesus. And the more I do that, the more the people around me get the benefit of that. I've entitled the message, I've preached the message backwards. I've entitled the message, As to the Lord. Tonight, the invitation's a little different. I'm going to ask you, Dad, husband, I'm going to ask you to find a spot at the old-fashioned altar here in just a few minutes. I, by the way, I, I didn't even ask you about invitation on Sunday night, so I, I hope I'm not stepping out of line. But I'm going to ask you, Dad, husband, father, why don't you find a place at this old-fashioned altar here in just a few minutes? Hold, hold and ask God to help you to live your life as a dad, as a husband, as an employee, even as an employer. Why don't you ask God to help you live your life as to the Lord? But don't come alone. Husband, bring your wife with you. And in just a moment, why don't you find a spot here to kneel together? And, and sir, why don't you pray out loud in front of your wife? Why don't you let her know that you're going to live as to the Lord? Hey, by the way, bring Junior too. Bring your children too. And dad, let your children hear you say, I'm going to live my life as the leader of this home. As to the Lord. Hey, maybe husband's not here. That's okay. Mom, bring the children. Hey, maybe you're here alone. That's okay. Why don't you come say, God, I'm going to live my life as to you. Here's what I'm going to do. Because I need this. I, I'm not above you. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray to start an invitation here in just a moment. And I'm going to ask my bride to come and kneel with me. And I'm going to pray out loud with my wife. I'm going to openly tell you, I'm going to ask God to help me live my life as to the Lord. Not for Christy, not for Angel, not for Gabby, not for my children, not for a boss, not for anyone else, but for the Lord. And all those other people around me will receive the benefit of me living my life as to the Lord. So we're going to pray. After I pray, the piano will play, and I invite you. By the way, no pressure. You don't come, that doesn't mean, well, you heathen, you wicked sinners. That's... But I think it will do your children very good, Dad, to hear you pray. I think your wife needs to hear you, too. Say, I can do that in my seat. Absolutely. But there's something special about an old-fashioned altar. If God's spoken to your heart tonight, I invite you here in just a moment. Why don't you find a spot to kneel at this old-fashioned altar? If you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're in the right place. We'd love to take a Bible and show you from the Word of God. A lady got saved this morning. Praise the Lord for that. We'd love to take a Bible and show you from the Word of God what it means to be a Christian. Would you let us do that? If that's you, 
instead of just coming and kneeling, why don't you come and find pastor or find one of the staff members or come find me. It doesn't matter. We'd love to take a Bible and show you and help you so you can know you're on your way to heaven. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for Colossians chapter number three. The passage is so full. So many different messages in this one chapter. But God, I pray you'd help us all to hone in on that one simple phrase. Hi, this is Brent Lenentine. And before we go, I want to say thank you for listening to this podcast. It is our prayer that today's message has encouraged and helped you. If you have any questions about how to be saved or your Christian walk, we would love to connect with you. Please visit us at gospellightbaptist.org. If you live in the greater Albuquerque area and don't have a church home, we hope that you'll visit with us soon at Gospel Light Baptist Church in Rio Rancho. And if you do have a church home, then I pray that you are able to attend there. Every person needs to be faithful and accountable in a local church where they can grow and serve. This podcast is a supplement to your spiritual growth and let it encourage you to be more for Christ. Again, our website is gospellightbaptist.org. Thank you for listening and have a great week. Thank you for tuning in today. If you are listening for the first time, we believe the most important decision you could ever make is the decision to know Jesus in a personal way. To find out more about that, please visit gospellightbaptist.org slash Jesus. If you are a regular listener, we want to thank you for your time, and we would ask that you subscribe to this podcast, and also take a moment to share it with others on social media. Until next time, may God richly bless you.